This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. I'm Patrick Smith, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Happy New Year. I don't know about you, but around this time of the year, lots of people, myself included, are setting goals for themselves or making a list of New Year's resolutions. Maybe for some of you, it's being more active or sticking to a budget or finishing a certain number of books by the end of the year. Whatever your goals are, it can be really hard to stick with them. So we talked with Katie Milkman, a behavioral scientist, host of the Choiceology podcast, and author of the 2021 book, How to Change, the science of getting from where you are to where you want to be, to help us stop getting in our own way and actually make changes happen. I started off by asking Katie a seemingly obvious question. Do you like to make resolutions? Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge fan of New Year's resolutions. You know, I'll admit, I I kind of am like at war in my own head about them. Part of me is sort of like, ah, it feels like a bit of a cliche to to decide that you're going to change yourself at at the start of every year. The other part of me is like, you know, we all have a capacity to change. It seems like as good a time as any to, to sort of set new goals for yourself. Yeah, well, what I love about New Year's resolutions is that they actually take advantage of a phenomenon I've studied called the fresh start effect. Um, So in research with UCLA's Heng Chen Dai and uh, Wharton's Jason Reese, who are both my collaborators, we have looked at this phenomenon where at, at moments in our life that feel like chapter breaks or new beginnings, we are more motivated to pursue our goals. So New Year's is, of course, the most famous, the one that we all think of when we think of fresh starts, but actually every Monday gives a little spike in motivation, uh, the start of a new month, uh, celebrating a birthday, coming back from a major federal holiday that you associate with a fresh start, say Labor Day or Memorial Day. And we see spikes in how frequently people set goals on popular goal setting websites around all these new beginning dates. Um, we see changes in, in gym attendance among undergraduates at these dates, and we see that searches for the term diet on Google spike, which, by the way, is the most popular New Year's resolution. So I think leaning into that added motivation we get at these moments that feel like a clean slate in life is a great idea because goal setting does work. It it helps us change for the better. And if there are specific times when you feel ready for that kind of change, it's a great idea to lean into it. Okay, so in other words, I should throw my cynicism in the trash. So, so you're talking about the, the power of fresh starts. Why is it so hard then for people to keep their New Year's resolutions for, I'll speak for myself, for for me to keep my New Year's resolutions every year? Well, unfortunately, we are not extremely well set up uh, to change. So first of all, there's lots of structural barriers to change that any individual might encounter, right? Maybe you don't have the financial situation or the health situation that would allow change. And that's a whole set of challenges we could talk about for hours. But actually what I study are the internal barriers to change. So even if everything is set up structurally, 
it turns out our own psychology is working against change in many ways. We are wired to prefer instant gratification over long-term rewards. We're creatures of habit who tend to take the path of least resistance to achieving outcomes. And that can be really problematic when you want to break a bad habit. Uh, and that's your goal. We also tend to be quite forgetful. We can lack confidence in our ability to succeed. And so there's all these different things that can can make it hard to change. And what I study and what I focus on in my book and um, my research is when once we've isolated which barriers we're up against, what are the best and most scientifically proven solutions that can help us successfully change? And really the first step is figuring out which of these is going to be a problem for you when it comes to your goal. Are you um, struggling because you lack confidence? Are you likely to have challenges with fitting this into a busy schedule or, or remembering and prioritizing? Are you likely to have challenges because you find it miserable to do the thing that's good for you be, or because you already have a bad habit you need to break? And once you identify which barrier you have, then actually there's a lot of good evidence on what strategies may help you succeed and happy to get into some of that. But, but it's really important to do that diagnosis step. And a lot yeah. of people skip it and important to rely on some of the evidence-based ways that you can then be more successful. And most people just set a resolution and stop there. Yeah, it's it sounds like... Um self-awareness is kind of key. And he's like, sounds like you need a lot of self-awareness to, to be successful in the way you're talking about. I think that's right. I think self-awareness is really important and also just planning. You know, a lot of us recognize when we have something important that we need to accomplish, say at work, that we need to be strategic about it. We need to plan. You know, you can't uh, get to the moon without breaking that down into, into bite-sized steps and figuring out how to allocate resources. But if you're thinking about how do I get in shape or how do I learn a new language or pick up another hobby or get my finances under control, people think, well, that's just going to be my priority and I'll get it done. And we aren't as strategic and we don't make those detailed plans. But it turns out in our own personal lives and with our personal goals, we need to be just as strategic and plan oriented. Speaking of strategic, author Daniel Pink in that in a conversation we just heard with him and Sasha he, he pointed to having too many resolutions, more than two or three a, as a problem. I mean, do you agree? Is that is that something people need to think about when they're setting goals or resolutions? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I actually I wish there were more data on this. Mm. There's one study that was done by Steven Spiller of UCLA that looks at what happens when people try to make detailed plans for multiple goals as opposed to a single goal. And um I should say that that plan making, of course, as we've just been discussing, is really critical to goal success. In general, it's one of the most important things you can do once you have a goal is, is detail. You know, when will I pursue it? Where will I pursue it? How will I pursue it? But it turns out in, in this research, what they found is that um, planning for multiple goals simultaneously actually reduced the likelihood of success, whereas planning for a single goal, of course, increases success. Uh, and that's been shown time and time again. And I the key takeaway is that actually when you're doing this planning process for multiple goals, it can be really demotivating and overwhelming. So I do think that that um, study points to the risk of doing too many things at once. And it would suggest it's a it's a good idea to try, you know, maybe a week at a time. Maybe you have a goal for January. Maybe there's a new goal you focus on come February once you've got your January goals um, moving forward on autopilot. That that does seem to align with the best evidence. But I think there's actually a, a lot of open questions about what's the optimal number of goals to pursue and how much do you have to separate um, setting and planning for different goals in time in order to be successful. Yeah, I'm interested in this idea of sort of whether or not it's good to really plan it out or over plan or, or set broader goals. I, I'll speak for from my own personal experience. I think 
in previous years, I had set a goal of like, I'm going to work out every other day or something like that, where, um, you know, the first day I missed of in my plan, I sort of was like, oh, well, I, I blew my New Year's resolution already. You know, it's only been seven days or something like that. Whereas last year, I set a goal of, of working out four days a week and, and that I was able to, if I had to skip one day, I could make up for it. Um, I wonder if you could talk about your you know, give us some practical examples. What are your resolutions this year? Have you made a plan on how you're going to accomplish them? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, my resolution this year actually does have to do with um, exercise. I uh, I have um, resolved to also work out four days a week. Okay. Um, and I, I do it on um, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sundays. Um, so I've picked those days and in the morning um, on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, it's right after I drop my son at the bus stop. And on Sundays, it's, uh, you know, when when my husband sort of takes over on childcare in the morning, I'll I'll pop up and, and work out. So I have been really specific about when and where. And that's based on really excellent research that's mm. come out of uh, NYU's psychology department. Peter Golwitzer has shown that when we detail when will we do it, where will we do it, how will we do it, we're dramatically more likely to follow through. And there's evidence on this in my own research with just prompting people to make those kinds of detailed plans when they're thinking about getting a vaccine increases follow through. There's work on this and get out the vote. So if anybody ever calls you and is trying to convince you to come vote in an election, you're going to hear them say, you know, have you decided what time you're going to vote, um, you know, where you're going to vote and how you'll get there. Do you have those details sorted? Because there's evidence from Todd Rogers at Harvard University that that significantly increases the likelihood of a voter turnout. So there's really strong evidence on this. Uh, one thing I will also say is that a lot of people, not only do they skip the planning phase, but they they make their goals too big and broad and vague. Mm. And I love the goal that you specified. It's very similar to the goal that I've specified because you broke down the big sort of I want to get into shape goal into here's what I'm going to do on a weekly basis and here's how many hours of it I'm going to do. And that turns out to be critically important too and a lot of people skip it. We did a research study last year where we worked with a volunteer organization that had volunteers who'd all committed 200 hours of, of volunteering a year and that they do some hours every week to meet that goal. And we said, you know, you actually could do better if instead of sending reminders about the 200 hour yearly goal and, and asking people to do a little every week by reminding people that breaks down to four hours every week. Mm -hmm. And just a simple change in reminders that went uh, that changed the language in that way to highlighting that 200 hours a year means four hours a week, increased volunteering 8%. So mm. uh, there's really some solid evidence that supports the importance of this. Uh, likewise, there's research showing by Hal Hirschfeld at UCLA that, um, and by the way, Dan Pink was mentioning some of his work earlier. He's a really great scholar in this in this space and author of the um, book, um, Your Future Self. Um Hal has shown that if you invite people to save $5 a day instead of $150 a month, which PS are the same thing, <laughs> you see more than a tripling in how many people say yes to that offer. So we're much more interested in uh, in pursuing goals that feel bite-sized and approachable. I want to talk about procrastination. As a procrastinator, I, you know, I, I have a real division between my current self and how I view my future self. I think of that person as almost a completely different person for me, which I, my understanding based on research is, is one of the problems that some procrastinators have. Uh, it can be too easy to say, I'll start this tomorrow or next week. Essentially that's next week, Patrick's problem. Uh, it seems like a big barrier to changing our behavior. If we're procrastinators, how do we solve this? How do we sort of align ourselves with our future self or, or how do we make plans that we're actually going to, going to stick to? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, 
and and this is a really important and common barrier to change. There's sort of two ways to deal with procrastination, which is the result of something called present bias, or again, this tendency to care more about instant gratification, the here and now, than um, distant rewards. So solution number one is to make the thing that you are tempted to put off more instantly gratifying. So you're no longer wanting to do it tomorrow because it sounds so fun. You want to do it today. Mm-hmm. The other approach is actually, so, so that's sort of the carrot approach. The stick approach also can work, which is I'm going to make the penalty for delay so high that I can no longer stomach um, punishing future me that much. So to be really concrete about these two approaches, um, if we want to think about the, the carrot you want to try to figure out how can I make it more fun, actually, to pursue this goal. And one of the strategies I've studied for doing that is something I call temptation bundling, where if, uh, say, say your goal is like ours, we both want to exercise more this year, but you've really dread going to the gym. A temptation bundle would look like I only allow myself to binge watch my favorite TV show while I'm at the gym exercising. And now instead of dreading my workouts, I actually look forward to them. I don't procrastinate because at the end of a long day at work, all I want to do is find out what happened to my favorite characters on you know, Bridgerton, Game of Thrones, Succession, whatever you're watching at the moment. And so I look forward to my workouts. Time flies while I'm, I'm at the gym and Yes, in the bargain, I probably waste less time watching lowbrow TV outside <laughs> of um, my workout. So that's that's one way, right? We just change the equation. So I don't procrastinate because I look forward to the activity. That's really important and an often neglected strategy. And we've shown that temptation bundling can help not not just with exercise, but with anything, right? You can temptation bundle with cooking a fresh meal for your family. That's on, the only time you get to listen to your favorite podcast or open your favorite bottle of wine or, uh, you know, a restaurant that you only get to visit when spending time with a difficult relative. So lots of temptation bundles exist. Yeah. The I, other side. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, please. Well, I was going to say the flip side of procrastination, the sort of the stick side is you pe- you agree to basically penalize yourself if you don't pursue the goal in a timely manner. And there um, there's a strategy called a commitment device, which is basically incentivizing yourself, which sounds really weird. We're used to, you know, getting a speeding ticket if you give into temptation and drive too fast. So that's someone else slapping you on the wrist for for giving into temptation. But you can actually find yourself for say not making it to the gym four times this week by setting up a commitment contract with a website like BeMinder or Stick.com, which I have no affiliation with. Mm. Um, but you know there are a lot of sites you can do this with a friend. You just need to choose a referee and a goal and and say, basically, I'll give money to a charity I hate. They have charities on either side of contentious issues um, or you know just it's like a swear jar uh, <laughs> if I don't achieve this. And it turns out there's really strong evidence that these kinds of self-imposed fines can be a great way to overcome procrastination. So, so which, you know, we, we only have about 30 seconds left. Which one, based on your research, based on research of others, carrot or stick, which is more effective in overcoming procrastination or or achieving your goals, whether procrastination is your issue or not? Probably the most effective, frankly, is the stick, but oh, a lot of people can't. I'm sorry to hear that. Stick. I'm sorry to hear it too. I'm sorry to say it. it's it's even helpful with helping people quit smoking, which is, you know, actually addictive. And and we haven't found evidence that that the carrot can necessarily be as, as potent. But that doesn't mean you have to choose the stick. For a lot of people, the stick just isn't going to be the right fit for them. And and PS, you can choose both. But I'm a big fan of temptation bundling, and that's what I'll be doing this new year. Excellent. That is Katie Milkman, author of How to Change. Katie, thanks for speaking with us. Happy New Year and good luck on those resolutions. Thank you. Same to you.
This podcast was produced by Meha Ahmad and Micah Yason. It was edited by Meha and Dan Tucker. If you liked this episode of The Reset Pod, you're guaranteed to like some of our previous conversations as well. Check out our full catalog of interviews at wbez.org slash reset. I'm Patrick Smith, in for Sasha and Simons. Thanks so much for listening. We'll speak again tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.